0: to the 11 o'clock service and then talking to people and saying, so I don't usually, if I get in here, it's like 1130 or so when I get in here, so it's really good to, to be in here this morning with you guys. Um, I counted a privilege to share this series with Pastor Tim. We're doing the series on truth and dare, and it's been a lot of fun uh, just just digging down into some basic uh, spiritual truths, biblical truths, and then challenging uh, or daring our church to do some of those things and I've loved working with this uh, with Pastor Tim. A few months ago when we were, uh, when we were coming up this, with this project and this, this sermon series, um, we threw out a lot of ideas and topics that, that we wanted to discuss and we thought were necessary for our church, but not only our church, but, but just us as individuals and how we needed to be challenged and how we need to be dared and pushed out of our comfort zone uh, in some areas. And today is on speech and today we're talking about words. And uh, I was sitting there thinking, you know months ago when we talked about this, I was like, "Why did I choose the one to do for myself was was words I was like man i should have I should have chosen the idea of serving because to me it 's a lot easier to say, Hey, you need to serve." We're going to serve, we go out and serve, and, and it's immediate results, you, you see immediate action taking place by the church, and, and uh, that transformation, like on the spot, being able to walk out the doors of the church and go serve somebody in, in, our, in our community. Uh, but I chose, I chose speech, uh, the one, one on speech, and I was like, what am I going to say? What am I what am I? To do what challenge am I going to challenge the church with? Am I going to challenge the church to say three nice things a day? Is that going to be the challenge, or or maybe the challenge uh, should be keep a log of all your failures in your speech over the next week? I thought that's probably not the best thing uh, because the idea of speech is important. Uh, the idea of speech is powerful, and it's a lot more important and powerful than we really can imagine. Um, I began studying the Word of God on this idea of speech and uh, the speech of others, the speech of ourselves, and how it is the basis of our entire lives. It's everything about our lives. Your your life and mine have been shaped by the words of others. We hear the positive and negative voices from years ago in our heads. Some of us hear the voices, the negative voices of the things that were, went on in our car before we got here this morning and it's sitting right there in our minds. We remember the irate scourging from a loved one that happened decades ago and that cuts like a knife, even today. We remember the first time we heard our child's laugh and the joy that it brought. We remember the first words of our children. This is our life and it's the most important and impactful part of it. It's that important. But one thing we have to get, to get straight before we get into this, this message very far, we have to understand that this is not something that we just fix and try harder and move on with our lives. It's not something that I can throw up a couple of challenges to you and you say, okay, I'm gonna do that this week and then I'm gonna be all better. I'm gonna try hard this week and then, then my speech will be okay. The truth is, is this, this is a heart issue. It's not just a speech issue. This is an issue that can only be transformed and changed in us from God. It's the work that Jesus does in our lives. It's something that has to come from God himself. So the challenges that I give today, before I put them on the screen, the challenges that I give today are are surface level things. You need to understand that before before I show them to you. They are surface level things. Don't think that you can do these two things And by the end of the week, you're going to be good. But the truth is, is when we do these things, it sets us on a course. It puts us on a path. It helps us go in the right direction. It's a good starting place for us uh, today as as we talk about our words and the speech that we have a day to day. So let's look at the challenges this morning. Number one, throughout the week, ask, what would Jesus say or not say in this situation? What would Jesus say or not say in this situation? I think we have to start with with this one. The the two that I picked, this one is on attitude. It's basically a change of our mindset. Uh, Because many of us in this room, um, what comes to to the mind, it just comes out of the mouth. And it would do us very well for a week to practice this first one. Before you deal with your kids, before you deal with that coworker that gets on your nerves, before you deal with that family member or that church member or that neighbor, just stop and ask, what would Jesus say or not say (laughs) to this person? So that's a good challenge for us this week. The second one is this. It's more of an action. First one's an add to, this one's an action. Handwrite two letters of encouragement, one to someone in the church and one to someone outside the church, and give it to them. Uh, My reason behind doing this one is this, Um, we get emails, we get text messages, we get Facebook messages and tweets and and you name it all the time. Uh, Handwritten letters are a thing of the past, it seems, not as many people do them. And I think that's the power behind it. When was the last time that you received a letter, not a birthday card, but a letter handwritten by someone? In the mail. The thing is, is handwritten letters are, are, are powerful. They're impactful, and they're a lot more powerful than sending an email than sending a text message. And the truth is, is this is an incredible challenge because this is something that we can do this week. We can encourage dozens of people inside of this, this room this week through the encouragement of our pen. And the reason I picked someone in the church, because many of you know, that there's a lot of people inside of this church that desperately need encouragement. And if you don't know of anybody that needs encouragement, just look around, pick anybody, because all of us need that. And the reason I pick someone outside of the church because this is something that we don't need to keep inside, inside of here. There's somebody in your family, there's someone that you go to school with, there's somebody at your job that desperately needs you to write some encouraging words about them and for them. So go out and do that this week. And I had to put this, and I, was, I had just that, and then last night I was like, I better put this, just because we're, I'm this type of person, I can justify it all day long. I put this and give it to them. Um, because I can write a letter. I was like, man, I, I'm gonna write a letter to whoever, and I'll write that letter, it'll be beautiful, it'll be from the heart, and then I'll fold it up, and I'll stick it on my desk, or stick it in my desk, or in a drawer, or I'll just put it somewhere, and it never gets mailed. It never gets out to that person we think I did my job but the truth is is we need to understand that we have we need to give it to them they need to receive that and it needs to be something from the heart so this week an attitude in action but again I, I point you back to this idea that this doesn't fix the issues in our life this doesn't fix our words and our speech for the long haul this is just something to get us started and moving in the right direction um, today As I preach, I do want you to know something. If you've ever heard me preach before, if you ever see me preach before, I typically move around a ton and jump around and blow things up. If you've been here when I've blown things up on the stage and and things of that nature. Today, um, I want you to know that I'm going to stay very closely to my notes. Uh, As I was studying this message out, I thought in my mind, I was like, I'm talking about words and I'm talking about how we say things. And I need to be very deliberate and very precise and intentional with the things that I say. So this, this message right here is very manuscripted. It's very, very intentional what I'm going to say. So I'll stay a little closer, closer tied to that because I want to do, I want to say exactly what God wants me to say. Is that okay? All right, let's jump, let's jump in this morning. There are three things that I know about you concerning speech. Uh, every person in this room, number one, you talk. And you talk a lot. You talk a whole bunch. In fact, let's do this. Turn to the person next to you and say, "You talk a lot." You talk a lot. Be careful. Be careful who you tell that to. If you were sitting next to your wife, you better have turned to the person on the other side. Because I don't want you. Uh, I don't want you saying that and then living in the doghouse this week as well so even if you're not a talkative person you still talk a lot even if you don't talk a lot you still talk a bunch the numbers are crazy they're they're pretty amazing the average amount a person talks is about 160 words per minute okay get get a perspective of that Uh, if you did that for a full five hours you would produce enough words to write a 50,000 word novel in five hours that's how much we talk Now, obviously, we don't don't spill out 160 words per minute every minute that we live. Um, So the average amount of talking we do in a day is about 16,000 words. That's still a lot. That's a ton. In our lifetime, we will spend about 18,000 hours talking with other people. We talk a lot. And it's what encompasses our entire life. I talk a lot. But I want you to know this. In the future you will talk a lot less than I do because I live in the house with five women, (laughs) okay? My talking days are coming to an end. Even Reagan, she's one year old, people. She talks more than I do. I'm like, you gotta be quiet. There's a great truth here talking about talk. There's a great truth that I wanna share. Perhaps one of the ways that I'm obviously godlike, that I'm most obviously godlike, is that like God, I talk. Let that sink in. This is an incredible truth. Perhaps one of the ways that I'm most obviously godlike, most obviously godlike, is like like God, I talk. The first moments of history were met by the sound of God's voice. From creation itself, God spoke. In Genesis chapter 1, we read over and over that God said, that God said, he spoke creation into existence. The power of his word was on glaring display in those days because he's spoken. He could have just created, but he chose to speak creation into existence. I think there's something unique and incredible about that truth that when we look at Genesis chapter one, we see that Jesus, that, that God, the father spoke creation into existence. The first thing that Adam and Eve knew about God was his voice. That's the first thing that they knew about God. The moment the breath of God entered their lungs, God began speaking to them. This is what they knew. They knew that, that, that words belong to the Lord. They knew that God was a God that was communicating, that there was a powerful gift given by a communicating God for his divine purpose. The first thing that people knew about God was that he spoke to them. They walked around the garden speaking audibly to God. The moon and the stars in the sky, the first thing that they knew about God was that he spoke. The first thing the birds in the air knew about God was that he spoke. God was a speaking, a communicating God, and it's powerful. Even Jesus is known as the Word of God, and it goes all the way back to creation, helping us understand that, that Jesus has all power, because sometimes we, we divide those up, God the Father and Jesus the Son, and Jesus may not be as awesome as God the Father. But the truth is, is he is God is Jesus is is God the Word, just like God spoke creation into existence. There is Jesus that is the Word, the very Word of God. It is Jesus. It's also interesting, interesting to note when you look at the Genesis account that Adam and Eve knew the very first thing they knew about God was His voice. But also, the first thing that Adam and Eve knew of Satan was also His voice. Sitting there in the Garden of of Eden every day waiting for the cool of the day when God would walk through the garden and, and have his conversation, have his time with Adam and Eve, out slithers this serpent named Satan that spoke as well. And the very first thing that Adam and Eve knew of Satan was his voice. And what Satan said to Adam and Eve was, did God really say? Did God really say those things? Don't you think he, there's something better for you out there? And it's interesting to think that, that Satan, as much as he wanted to be like God, the very first thing that he did with Adam and Eve is he spoke. He spoke to take the place of God and deceive Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve knew Satan's voice. They knew God's voice, but God's voice set creation in motion. God's voice hung the stars in the sky. God's voice makes the sun shine on us. But it's the voice of Satan that sets sin and death in motion. It's the voice of Satan that that causes us to have pain and suffering in this world. The voice of Satan started all that. So we need to understand that voice and words and speech are powerful. The word of God. And we tend to think that our words don't matter that much. We think, okay, that's God, that's Satan. Of course, they're gonna have power in their words. Of course, that's gonna be important to them. My words aren't that powerful. They're just not that important. I'm just, I just live a mundane life. I just talk. I just live my life. I do my thing. I'm ordinary. Who cares what I say to my kids? Who cares what I write? Who cares what I tweet? Who cares? It's not that big a deal. They can't make that big of an impact. Paul David Tripp said this about our words. Words fill the mundane moments of our lives. That's why they are profoundly important. If God doesn't rule your mundane, he doesn't rule you because that's where you live. Probably 90% of what we talk about and who we talk to and how we talk are just mundane, everyday talk. But the truth is, is is we, we disconnect that talk with the lordship of Jesus in our life. But the truth is, is we live there. That's our life. The way that we talk to people on a daily basis is our life. And Jesus has to rule that because that's where we live. We live in the mundane, but in the mundane is incredible power to give life or bring death with our words. Remember, you talk and with all of your talk, your words have direction to them. There's a direction in the way that you talk to people. The book of Proverbs says, that, says a ton of things, many things about words, but there's an overarching truth here. There are words that give life and there are words that bring death. If you look through the entire book of Proverbs, you can't find anywhere that, that says that words are neutral. You can't say any, see anywhere in the book of Proverbs that says talk is just talk. Either talk goes towards life or talk goes towards death. So if your words are moving in the direction of life, they will be words like this. They'll be words of encouragement, hope, love, peace, unity, instruction, wisdom, correction, or forgiveness. Those are words that give life. If your words are moving in the direction of death, there will be words like this. They'll be words of anger, wrath, slander, jealousy, gossip, division, contempt, racism, violence, or judgment. We've got to understand something that when we're dealing with people, when we're talking to people, that our words are going in one direction or the other, they're pulling people, they're giving life to people, or they're bringing death to people. They have to go in one direction or the other. And the, And the amazing thing is this, is they all come from our heart, all of them. I want you to look at Luke chapter six, verses 43 through 45, that I had you turn to at the very beginning? The Bible says this: This is Jesus talking. A good, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. Stop right there. Uh, if you were listening to this, this sermon by Jesus, uh, if you were in the crowd, you were very well aware, as all of us are, of this truth. When Jesus says that truth that figs never gather from, gather from thorn bushes and grapes aren't picked from bramble bushes, you'd sit there and go, duh? Uh, Jesus, we, we know that. What does that have to do with anything? We know that grapes come from grapevines. We know that apples come from. A- where, where do they come from? I was like, do y'all know where apples come from? Uh, <laughs> Peaches come from peach trees. We all know that. And the crowd would have been thinking that. Jesus, okay, we've got it. But then Jesus continues, this is a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. I read this not too long ago. Author says, you should never say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. And more than likely, a lot of us in this room have said that that phrase. I've said that phrase. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Oops, I didn't mean to let that slip. I'm sorry. This author says this. You shouldn't say that because it's not true. What you should say is, I'm sorry. I said exactly what I meant. I'm sorry. I said exactly what I meant. If Luke 6... 43 through 45 is telling the truth and it is. If Jesus is speaking the truth and he is then everything everything that I speak comes from the heart. Everything. And boy that's a that's a convicting truth. Because I blow up at my kids. I blow up at my kids because anger and selfishness are in my heart. I lose my patience on the road because contentment and peace are lacking in my heart. I gossip about my coworker because unforgiveness and pride fill my heart. Word problems are heart problems. It has nothing to do with that person. You can blame it on that person all day long, but there's no truth in it. They made me say that. I had to say it because man, they they get under my skin. Can you believe what my kids are doing? Oh, it's not the other person's fault. Word problems our heart problems based on what jesus says what flows out of my mouth comes from my heart it bubbles up and comes out think about this statement temptation and therefore spiritual compromise often find their easiest access route to the heart via the eyes okay we understand that how it gets to the heart a lot of times is through the eyes, through the ears, through the circumstances around us. Okay, look at this next part of this statement. By the same token, sin may find its easiest exit route from our hearts via the mouth. Okay, so sin, sin is in the easiest way out of it, out of your life, out of your heart is, is through your mouth. That's where it typically uh, shows itself. So there's one thing that I know about you and know about me. We talk. We talk. Uh, there's another thing that I know about you concerning speech, and it's this. The saddest and most celebratory moments in your life have been accompanied by talk. Think about that statement just for a moment. The saddest and most celebratory moments in your life are accompanied by talk. You can think of, of the, the saddest moments that you've ever had in your life you can think of the time when the doctor walked into your into your room you can think of the time where the phone rang you can think of the time when when somebody knocked at your door you can think of the time when somebody told you news about so and so and every single one of them somebody talking to you brought that news to you it's always accompanied by talks but also when you think about the most celebrated moments of your life, the most exciting moments of your life, it's always connected to, to talk and what people have said to you and what you've said to other people and how your words or their words have transformed a life and, and or brought good news or brought an amazing result. When you've walked into that doctor's room, you're thinking the worst, and the doctor walks in and says, no cancer. And you think that's the most celebra- one of the most celebrated moments of my life. And a doctor walked in and said that. When the doctor walks in and says, it's a boy, which I don't know about. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, I have four girls. I'll never have boys. But it's the most, it's the saddest and the most celebratory moments of our life are surrounded and accompanied by talk. As I stand here today, I feel like there are hundreds of people behind me who've contributed to everything that I know, everything that I speak, and everything that I think about concerning Jesus. These people have written and spoken incredible truths into my ears that have penetrated my heart and changed everything in my life. I thank God for all of these people, and some of those people are sitting in this room today. I think about some of my teachers, my youth pastor, my pastor, my family, and and some of my friends. These people spoke things that have impacted my life. This morning, I had the the privilege of having some of my family in one of the services. Um, My dad and my brother and my sister-in-law were here from Florida. It's the first time I've gotten to see them in over a year. First time they've seen Reagan. And uh, first time they've heard me preach live in probably four or five years. So it's really cool to have them in the service. But man, I couldn't help but think of them uh, during a message like this. Because to my right in cafe, over in that section in the cafe room was my brother. Uh, And this week, 20 years ago, October the 29th, uh, 1995, was the day that I gave my my life to Christ, 20 years ago. I know I only looked 20, but I was like two when I got saved, no. Uh, But the, the joy of sitting there looking at him and talking about this and thinking about the most celebratory moments of my life are accompanied by talk. I can't help but think of my brother because the night of October the 29th, 1995, there was a ping pong tournament at, at the church at somebody's house. And, and on our way home, my parents were out of the country at, at that time. And we're on our way home. I'm talking to my brother about Jesus. I don't know who, know who Jesus is. I don't know what sin is. I don't know any of that kind of stuff. And I start talking to him about those things. And when, by the time we got home, he just spills it out. and He says, listen, do you, do you want to get saved? do you want to give your heart to Jesus and give your life to him? I said, I did. And I can take you to the spot in that living room where where that took place and where I prayed and, and my life changed. And it's incredible to think, man, that wouldn't have happened unless he was bold enough to speak, to lead me and guide me with his words. So the most, one of the most celebratory moments 20 years ago this week, I can say, was accompanied by words. And if we went down the rows here, and, you, and we could go through story after story of person after person, in the very saddest moments of your life, the most hurtful moments of your life, Somebody brought that to you by words. Somebody said something to you that broke your heart, that, that pierced you at, at the very core of who you are. And then there's also those amazing times where you think, man, this is, this is a benchmark in my life. This is a hinge moment in my life for the good. It's always centered around what people have said and what, or what the word of God has said to you. That's how powerful this is. You may be sitting here today thinking about some horrible things that were said to you about your, from your mom or your dad or someone else decades ago. And you, when you begin to think about those things, when I say that statement automatically in your mind, a voice pops in your head. You begin to think about those things and it hurts like it did that day. All the pain, all the fear, all the hurt comes flooding back. And it just goes to show you that there's an incredible shelf life when it comes to hurtful words. You may have had your life altered dramatically because of what these people said to you. There's some people under the sound of my voice this morning that changed their plans for their life based on what a person said they couldn't do or who they weren't. And that's, that's hurtful and damaging. But on the other hand... There is nothing more exciting than to wait and hear your child's first word. Do you remember that day? If you have, if you have kids, do you remember that day? Maybe multiple days because you got multiple kids. But what did your kids? What was your kid's first word? So let's take a survey this morning, real quick. How many of your, uh, if you've got kids in here, uh, how many of your kids said uh, "mama" or something like it, uh, their first word? Raise your hand up high okay yeah good number good number good number how many of you the the, your child or children or whatever one of them said daddy or something like it for the first time man daddy's always rule all three services majority I love that because I'm a daddy so how many of your kids said something different huh no who who said no (laughs) pastor Tim said no to you his first word You can whoop him after the service if you want to. That's funny. Anybody else's kids said no? That's starting early, son. All right, anything else? What's, what's something that, yes? Mine, yeah, I've heard that before. Mine, we're such selfish people. Start out at one year old saying mine, no mine. Anything else? Yeah, uh, yeah, duck. Catherine said duck, right? Which Wade said duck as well. Do y'all think that's weird? I mean, is there nothing more important in life than a duck? (laughs) Where were these people's parents? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay, back on topic. My kids said, daddy. I've got four, three said daddy. Can y'all guess which one didn't say daddy? One of them said mama, and the one that said mama was Reagan, the last one. I really thought I was hoping I was gonna get a clean sweep out of this thing. I worked with her days. Daddy, daddy, dad, 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 dad. I'd move her mouth for her. Dad, dad, you know, come on kid. She's like, mama. I'm like, no. She didn't hear that. Say daddy, daddy, okay. We manipulate the situation. But the funny thing is I kept working with her. I'm like, you gotta say daddy. She would say, she would say meow. I mean, she's like, who cares about the cat? Meow! I'm like, stop it. Say, dad, dad, dad. And she would go, this is what she would say. She would go, bye-bye. <laughs> can, can y'all believe that? I was like, Dom, did you teach her to say bye-bye for daddy? What is that? Is this like a subliminal message for me to leave or something? I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, she's, and now she won't say anything. Like, she just doesn't say, I'm like, y'all please help me. Um, I'm, I'm over it though. I'm over it. Counseling's, counseling's been really good for me in this. Anyway, the excitement, the excitement is incredible. The excitement is incredible when your children begin to talk because they're doing something that's incredibly human. They're Talking. And I love this, this thought, going back to the very first thought we had. Um, they're doing something incredibly human, but it's a reflection of who God is. Because God is a communicating God. God is a God who talks, And when your children begin to talk, it's so exciting because it is actually a reflection of Jesus. It's a reflection of God, creator, and his action of talking. But what's sadder in all of life than when a human being goes silent? There's something horrible and dehuman about that moment. Many many of you can remember that moment all too well. Many of you have gone through that moment recently. All, of you, all you want is for your mom or your dad to say, I love you one more time, or maybe for the first time. You would give anything to hear their voice again. There were conversations that you never finished. There were things you never said or never got tired of hearing. And even now, even now, you can hear their voice in your head. You can hear how they said it. You can hear the tone in their voice. You can hear what they used to say. You can can even see in your mind where they were, what chair they sat in, what place in the kitchen they used to stand. And they would say whatever it was that they used to say. You say things like, mama always said. And when you say that, it's not just the statement that you think of. You actually hear a voice. And it goes to show you the power of our words and how they stick with people for decades. And after they're long gone, when you're an old uh, old man yourself or old lady yourself, you can think back to what your parents and your grandparents said, and you can hear it like it was, it, it's clear as a bell. You can hear their voice, and it's sad when a person goes silent even at this moment even at this moment right now I can still hear my grandma's voice I can hear what she used to say I can hear, hear the tone in her, in her in her voice I can, I can hear her say my, she always called me son and I can hear her say it and when a person goes silent You know it's wrong because we're, we're created to talk. The saddest and most celebratory moments in your life have been accompanied by talk. There's one more thing that I know about you. Your world of talk is a world of trouble. The reason I know this is because I know me. I know me and I'm a man that is in desperate need of grace moment by moment. I'm a man who desperately struggles in how he talks, in the words that I say. I forget that my words have a long, long shelf life. I forget that my words shape and mold my children. I forget that my words cut to the heart of my wife. I forget those things. My words are a world of trouble. Uh, Galatians chapter five, verse 13 through 15. Turn there uh, quickly. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 15 shows the trouble that words can cause. We think, if anything, our words um, may damage relationships, uh, may hurt somebody for a temporary amount of time, you know, because they'll get over it. Um, I'll say these words because they're truth. Who cares what they think about it? It's true. That kind of thing. And if a relationship's damaged right now, maybe it won't be in the future, Uh, but Paul gives us a little glimpse of what actually happens when we, when we misuse our words and we're harsh in whatever way. It says this in verse 13 of chapter 5 of Galatians. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. In other words, don't, you may be free to do this, to say truth without love, uh, to be blunt or just speak your mind, um, but don't do it to, to uh, make yourself feel good about yourself. Uh, it says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. It's this idea where you think, man, it, my relationship may be damaged, but it's It's not over. You know, they're still there. But the truth is, this is what, what our words do a lot of times. We bite and devour. We're sarcastic. We're, you know, we, we say things that are just bubbles up and we're, we just say it. And we're biting and devouring one another. It just doesn't uh, damage relationships. It actually destroys the person. It destroys the person. And that damage, those of you, you know, many of us know in this room what words can do decades later and how it shapes our life. And it ends up destroying what shouldn't be destroyed James chapter 3 verses 1 through 12 it gives us it gives us uh, an even more vivid picture of what words can do let's look at that uh, real quick James chapter 3 verses 1 through 12 and this is a real you know if if you know anything about the book of James it tells us uh, you know that this is a, a very popular scripture about the tongue says so this, verse number one, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Can I get an amen there? Do you make mistakes? Yeah, we make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. Somebody tell me out loud, who's the only perfect person that's ever lived? Jesus. So basically he says here, if you can control your tongue, you would be just like Jesus. Now, I would be just like Jesus and could also control ourselves in every other way. That'd be nice. We, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. And even though the winds, even though the winds are strong, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. So the idea is here, you're driving down the road, mammoth cave, you flick a cigarette out the window, it ignites some leaves, forest fire. And you think, man, that's rough. That's what our tongue is. Not so much. Look at the next sentence. And the tongue is a flame of fire. So it'd be like walking to a, a forest fire with a flamethrower and just lighten up the forest. That's what our tongue is. It is a whole world of wickedness wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. It is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in his image. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. That is really discouraging. When you look at it, you're like, okay, if I could control my tongue, I'd be Jesus. And later on, he says, your tongue is like a a flamethrower to everybody around you, and you can't control it. And we are all Salty Springs. Hooray. <laughs> Go serve Jesus. But the truth is, is, is it's all truth there. But and when you think about it, you start thinking about the challenges, and you start thinking about our lives, and, and the idea is we can't control this. This is not in us to get your mouth the way it should be, get your words the way, it, the way they should be, with seasoned with grace. It's just not in us. But the truth is, is is there is a better way. There is a better solution. There is something that will transform us. His name is Jesus. He will transform us. So let's quickly wrap this up. I want to give you three things that we can do. Look at number one. First thing that we can do, since we're all salty springs and, and can't control it. Realize that the depth of your sin, the pollution of your heart, and your need of saving grace are all evidenced in your use of the tongue. Every single one of us in this room desperately needs the forgiveness of Jesus. And if you're sitting here in this room this morning and, and you start thinking about the way that you talk to people, the way that, that words come out, the way that you deal with your family, the way that you deal with your coworkers, and you start realizing, oh my goodness, it doesn't match up with the word of God. It doesn't match up with what should be. If they're words of death, this is something that we have to examine. We have to realize that that our words and our tongue are destructive in nature. And we can't do anything about it except beg the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus in our lives. And then he enters our lives and transforms us by his power and makes our words what they should be. Realize the depth of our sin. Number two is this, recognize that you are a new creation in Christ. Those of you that do follow Jesus in this room, that are, are, are you know that you're saved, that you're a follower of Jesus, we need to realize this, that, that we are a new creation in Christ. We're not left after salvation to just live our own lives. Jesus has come into our lives to transform us with the power of his Holy Spirit. The forgiveness of God enters our life and then he sets us on a new path. And Part of that new path is a new way to talk. A new course of action in our words, the way that we deal with people with our talk. Psalm 51 is, is, is David, uh, right after he sins with Bathsheba, and he was uh, confronted by, by Nathan the prophet, and David begs the forgiveness of God. He says, God, don't take my holy, your Holy Spirit from me. Please forgive me. God forgives him. At the end of this passage, he says, God, unseal my lips so that I can praise you. It's this idea that when the forgiveness and the grace of God come into your life, that he sets you on a a path in a different direction. You'll talk to your kids a different way. You'll talk to your coworkers a different way. Road rage won't happen because you understand. You understand the importance of words, and Jesus is transforming you through it. The third thing is this, continue in the word, continue in the word. The word of God transforms our tongue. What comes out of our mouth is more and more determined by what has come out of the mouth of God. That's the reason it is important to get into the word of God and allow it to transform us because this causes a ripple effect in every other relationship that you have when the word of God begins to transform you. Psalm 40 verses 2 and 3 say this, he lifted me up out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. Let me ask you a question this morning. Everybody look at me. How many of you have been lifted up out of the pit of despair by Jesus? Anybody? Not very excited about it, are you? How many of you have been lifted up out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire? Have you? You've been set on a rock, the Bible says. Set my feet on solid ground, steady me as long as I walked. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see What he has done and be amazed and they will put their trust in the lord the idea here is is that this is what leaves a lasting impression of the power of god and the transformation of grace in your life because when jesus transforms your talk all of a sudden your talk and your speech doesn't match what cultures is all of a sudden you stick out like a sore thumb because your your words are leading to life your words have hope and peace and unity and love. And how, when was the last time that you turned on the news and saw love, joy, peace, and unity? But when you walk into your workplace after Jesus has, is doing his transforming work in you, and your words are different, the way that you talk to people are different, you have patience there, you have peace there, you have love there. That's where your impact comes, because all of a sudden people immediately notice there's something different about you. So continue in the word. So let's go back to the challenges. Throw those up on the screen throughout the week. Ask, what would Jesus say or not say in this situation? And the second one, handwrite two letters of encouragement, one to someone in the church and one to someone outside of the church and give it to them. There should be dozens of people sitting in this room that receive letters this week. I'm really hoping for that. I'm hoping that dozens, hundreds of people in the community, Bowling Green, Franklin, Woodburn, wherever you live, get letters. I'm hoping hoping dozens of students at South Warren High School, Middle School, and Logan County, and Franklin Simpson get letters this week, handwritten by people we can make an immediate impact on the people around us with this one get stuck in my beard every now and then <laughs> but change your attitude as well so let's talk about the response time I want to give you some expectations and things just of, of response on, to my right your left is a dry erase board a few people have kind of filled in a couple of things there but the idea behind this is is, is this um, this is a vi- just a visual this is something that uh, doesn't change the ball game, but it's something that we can all see. Um, during the response time, I hope this board gets filled up. On one side, it's got positive things, and that's positive things that either you've said to people or other people have said to you, okay? The other side of the board is negative things. These are either negative things that, that you've said. You don't have to indicate what, which one's which, but negative things you've said or negative things that have been said to you and the reason i want to do this is just to show us in this room the impact of words so fill that thing up take some time walk over there and 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 let that come up into your memory just for a split second and write it on the board that's part of the response another part of the response is this Um, we need to examine our words and examine our hearts where are you Has Jesus changed your heart? Because your words show you that. It shows you exactly where you are in your relationship with him. Do you need his grace and forgiveness today? Maybe you're already a follower of of Jesus, but you need to renew your commitment to his word. Maybe you've, you've started to see your life and you realize your words need a little more transforming. And you need to recommit yourself to the word of God, because that's where true transformation comes. However God's speaking to you today, you respond to. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to get ready to worship. Uh, But I I pray that you will respond to what God wants. I like to think of this kind of in terms of a story. And I like to think of my own family, um, just because that's where I am. But I think, uh, how will my family's story be different because of God's work in my heart and through my words. See, even this week, even this week studying this, this message has, has made me kind of check myself on the way that I talk to my kids. Um, I think that's a good thing. And the question is, is, is how will your legacy be? How will your family story be different because you've let God change your heart in your words how will your workplace the story there be different because of what god does starting today let's go ahead and pray lord we love you we thank you god lord we pray as we as we put things on the board as we pray or as we commit ourselves lord i pray that you'd help us to feel the weight of our words understand the power of them and understand it's all connected back to you Lord, I pray, God, that you would transform hearts this morning. Lord, I pray pray that you would transform hearts to transform our mouths. And Lord, I pray that we would be people who uh, bring life to people's hearts and lives because of the things that we say. Lord, just have your way here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll get ready to sing and worship. However God wants you to respond, you respond to today. If you have need for baptism, church membership, or just need somebody to pray with you, we'll be here to receive you. Um, Please do the board pray up here. We need to see the importance of what our words can do in people's lives. So I pray that you'll respond.